Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. And welcome, everybody, to an amazing day here on the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. And man, do I got a show for you. I'm feeling spicy today. We're going to be going after Republicans. We're going to be going after Democrats. We're going to be calling them all out on their stuff here in Kentucky today. And let me tell you, I'm feeling, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Maybe it's because somebody brought me some sweet Asian chili meatballs earlier and they were a little spicy. So that gave me a little kick in the pants. Or maybe it's just I'm fed up like you. You know, we're, we're coming off that Trump news out of Colorado, getting torn off the ballot. And I am more motivated than ever before. And I hope you are as well. And I hope you channel that motivation into making a difference. And while you may not be able to make a giant difference on national politics, you can affect what happens right here at home. And that's why we do the Andrew Cooper Editor Show. And that's why I need your help. And you can help in several ways. First, obviously, you can make sure you're telling others about the show. If you're listening to this at 9 a.m. on WZXI Monday through Friday, make sure you're telling other people, hey, are you tuning in? You listen to this Andrew Cooper Editor Show? Because let me tell you, it is very informative, and I hope that is true. And if you're listening to this elsewhere, you can like, comment, share, subscribe, uh, sign up for the show. And if you're somewhere where you're not getting this show on the radio and you're hearing these and you're like, man, I wish this was on the radio here locally. I wish more people could hear the Andrew Cooper Editor show. Feel free. Copy me in an email. My email's info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, it's info at theandrewshow.com. Making an introduction with, if, if you know some people that own your local station or uh, you know some people involved with that, make an introduction saying, hey, I'd love to see the Andrew Cooperator Show come here locally. Call for it. Uh, so maybe in turn, they might carry us uh, uh, there too as well and keep spreading the word. Now, starting us off today, feeling spicy, uh, let's go after Damon there, uh, common target, common person that I like to call out on hypocrisy. Uh, he plays the game of pretending to be a super strong conservative when really he's certainly more moderate if he's, you know, so-called Republican at all. But recently he tweeted this out that he tweeted this out, uh, I think a day or two ago. And so he had, he had made a, um, tweet where he was commenting on Amy Bashir's budget. And he said, liberals want to spend more tax dollars. They're fixed it for you. And so he was talking about Bashir's calling for more spending. And, and that's how Damon there phrased it. And there was a lot of comments on that. So then he quote tweeted his own tweet, which is interesting. And he says, let me clear this up since there seems to be some confusion. These, I'm not sure I can say this word on the radio, but it's the D word. Uh, not super, you know, uh, offensive swear word, but still, I'm not sure I can say it on the radio. So these D word liberals would spend every last dime collected from confiscatory taxes, then come up with more pet programs and demand across the board tax increases. The more dependency, the better in their worldview. Now, I appreciate their uh, saying this very conservative viewpoint on spending our tax dollars, recognizing that taxes are confiscating the dollars 
of the citizens. I appreciate that. I just wish that his words metastasized and, and resulted in action that represents it. And I know Damon there, it looks like, and we're going to talk about Andy Barr later on, that Andy Barr is gearing up, it looks like, for that Senate run in 2026. And then Damon there, who lives in that 6th District, may be trying to run for that Andy Barr congressional seat. So I think it's worth pointing this out. He can say the right words, but what are his actions? What are the fruit from the tree? You know, the old saying, you can uh, tell the, the uh, you know, you can tell the tree by the fruit that it bears, right? You know, if he is going to follow through on his words by what the fruits of his labor has been. And so Damon Thayer became majority leader in 2017. That's at the same time Republicans took over the House too as well. So through the entire time Damon Thayer has been majority leader, one of the top people in leadership in our state legislature, the Republicans have been in control of the legislature. So you can't blame this on the Democrats, which is why the Democrats don't get called out in this section of today's show. But so he became majority leader in 2017. So let's look at fiscal year 2019. So that would be the fiscal year that starts in uh, July of 2018, then rolls through the end of June of 2019. That would have been the first budget he could have made an impact and difference on. So the state spent then 11.6 billion from their general fund. And 3.36 billion all in, and that includes things like Medicare, Medicaid, uh, you know, those those entitlement spendings where the state acts as a pass through for those federal dollars. It also includes those things like the road fund, uh, you know, the the tire fund. You know, there's a special tax on tires that goes into a special fund. The coal severance fund, right? All these pots of money. But the general fund was sitting at 11.6 billion, all in 33.6 billion. Well, most recently for fiscal year 2022, they spent 13 billion out of the general fund. So that's another 1.4 billion dollars more, <coughs> and another 45.4 billion all in. That's 12 more billion all in that they've spent. That leads you to say, well. Damien, it's weird that you take over this budget from a Democrat legislature, Democrat House. You've been having to uh, negotiate and quote unquote compromise with Democrats in the House this whole time because the Senate has had Republicans have controlled the Senate in Kentucky since 1999, but they didn't take control of the House until 20, uh, starting with the session in 2017. But so you're, you're now taking away from Democrats having half control of the budget to only Republicans. And we actually haven't seen you decrease spending. We've only seen you increase it. So what I guess Damon Thayer and his ilk are saying is that they would rather spend more money and that the Democrats were not spending enough when they took over. They need to spend more. And, and like I said, you know a tree by the fruit that it bears. And that's the fruit it's, it's bared. More spending, more money. In fact, other than one year in 2021, when we had Bevan uh, fiscal year 2021, when Bevin was the governor, got to in you know put in place a budget for that year. Bevin wasn't the governor in 2021, but his budget was put into action. Budget that was passed during this time. During that time, that was the only time we saw a dip in spending. Other than that, there and others have done nothing but increase spending. And in fact, when Bevin was in office, they undermined the very person who was trying to spend 
less money. And the other way we can see that he is not a low dollar spender, he wants to spend more, is the actions he took in regards to passing this tax reform bill and House Bill 8, which is in 2021. And you may remember House Bill 8, a lot of people thumped their chests on it, where it was lowering the income tax, but increasing the uh, categories that we had sales tax in with the hope that this would generate uh, funds to make up for us eliminating the income tax. The big problem I have with the bill is it didn't require though, remember our general fund uh, at 11.6 billion, basically about 12 billion in spending. It didn't require that we just maintain that level of revenues into the general fund because the income tax and sales tax both go into the general fund. So it didn't mean, it didn't say, hey, you have to maintain those revenue levels. No, the bill Damon Thayer Champion, the bill that they passed requires the state to increase their general fund spending and, and receipts from the 12 billion all the way up to 21.5 billion, 23 billion in order to get to 0% income tax. So in order to hit that 0% income tax mark, we have to spend almost double what we're doing right now. That isn't very fiscally conservative. And if you want to call taxes confiscating money, which I agree with, well, how do you square and how are you okay with the fact that you're confiscating even more dollars? You're calling for that with this bill. You're calling to confiscate twice as much because the state can't make more money without us giving more money. They, they, there's no other way to make it work. I know people like to say, well, it's, it's not going to increase the tax rate. Look, I'm not an idiot here, okay? I know if the state's bringing in more money, it's coming from us, the taxpayers, period. That's how it works. And you can say, well, we're going to have just this massive increase of population growth. We're not going to see double. They don't even think we'll see double. They're calling for a million, not eight million. In order to finally get to the point where we eliminate the income tax, they think only a million more people will move in, not, not eight million. So we're not even doubling the people, but we're doubling the spending. That isn't very fiscally conservative, is it? Well, that's what we got time for here in this segment. In the next segment, we'll be going over Andy Barr's made a big announcement. Obviously, Kentucky legislator worth talking about. Uh, we'll be covering that after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. And you are back with the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, your source for Kentucky politics. Coming at you from a constitutional and conservative perspective. I told you at the beginning, I'd be calling out Republicans. I'd be calling out Democrats. Well, I've called out there for... Uh, making grand statements about how taxes are confiscating money from taxpayers while at the same time passing budgets and bills that require greater confiscation, showing a hypocrisy where his conservative rhetoric isn't matching up with his conservative fruits from his legislative deals. And another person who we can call the same thing would be Andy Barr. Now, recently, this is worth talking. I don't really talk about national news, but obviously Andy Barr is a Kentucky legislator that represents us on the federal level. And depending on who you have in those seats, and I think we've seen it, you know, with people like McConnell, with others, that if we have a bad person in that seat, uh, Senate seat, like McConnell, it can drive our politics here in the state in the wrong direction. Well, Andy Barr came out and he endorsed Trump for president. He came out with this at Fox. Now, I can tell you why he did this. And it isn't because Andy Barr necessarily really likes Trump. He most likely doesn't. Um, in fact, he, I think, is pretty antithetical to Donald Trump. And to, to top this off, 
uh, a person quote unquote close with Barr mentioned that he would be a great 2026 Senate candidate and uh, he would be a quote unquote ally to the America first agenda. Big claim. And as we did with Damon Thayer, let's look at those fruits. Well, I'm going to zero in on why he said that, right? And this is why. Uh, it's because uh, a big group that backs him, this is a big dollar spender, spends hundreds of millions of dollars or less uh, decades on candidates. And it's this group called the Main Street PAC, Main Street Partnership, the Republican Main Street Partnership. And they have PACs as well. And this is from their homepage. And if you look at their homepage, who you, will you see is one of the four key legislators they are prominently displaying in their homepage graphic. Of course, our own Andy Barr, 6th District Congressman. And he's also listed on their page of legislators that are part of this Main Street PAC, Main Street Partnership. And in fact, the key uh, campaign consultant on Andy Barr's last campaigns has also been the same key campaign consultant to the Main Street PAC in the past, been sending millions of dollars to this consultant. Okay. And so, why is it such a problem? Why does this fly in the face of what Andy Barr wants to say? Well, first, you know why Andy Barr is doing what he's doing, where he's endorsing Trump. When you look at a recent document, the Main Street. Uh, partnership has put out, indicating that they need to take advantage of Donald Trump's messaging while trying to tone down his inflammatory rhetoric. They, but they say messaging. They're not talking about actions, right? We'll go into what actions they want here in a bit, uh, because that should be the greater reason that you should never vote for Andy Barr for Senate, and he would be very destructive there. And I'll go into more. But basically, um, what he's what he's pointing to here is that this mainstream pack has said that we need, Trump has created this populist movement within the Republican Party. A lot of Republicans like him. So we need to co-opt Donald Trump to move forward our own people. They said this in a document. It's just there publicly on their website. Let's just take advantage of Trump. And that's what Andy Barr is doing. Because Donald Trump is one of those people that your endorsement of him means more to you than it does to him. Do you think Donald Trump cares about Andy Barr's endorsement? Actually, he is winning Kentucky right now, according to polls, by 75, 80% in the primary. Do you think he's worried about Andy Barr's support in Kentucky at this point? No, of course not. Kentucky's a late state in the presidential primaries. And by that time, uh, you know, Trump will probably have it pretty much locked up additionally as well. As I said, he enjoys a lot of support out of Kentucky. Kentucky does not seem to be in play for that presidential primary. So he does this in order to make himself seem more conservative, to make plays to the base, because that's what his masters over there at the Republican mainstream partnership has told him to do. And I say masters because once again, this is not a small group. These, this is a large group spending millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. And, and like I said, they're using the same consultants, campaign managers flowing from there. They are pulling the strings. And politics always say, he who pays the piper chooses the tune. A friend of mine, Bob, uh, says that all the time. I've co-opted it. Now I say it all the time. And that's very true. So the mainstream partnership pack is that who is paying the piper. So they're picking the tune. They get to pick the tune when Annie Barr's in office. And first, uh, uh, what's some of the things they push on? Well, let's talk about one of their pushes here, which was the HR 1109 Mental Health Service for Students Act of 2019. This bill 
provide funding for public schools across the country to partner with local mental health professionals to establish on-site mental health care services for students. Why is this such a problem? Well, anybody who slightly understands what's going on right now in our public schools, and we've seen this like in Anderson County and others, that these schools are bringing in these so-called mental health experts that believe mental health coverage is things like, uh, you know, transing the kids. If you think you're, if you're a boy and you think you're a girl, well, you know, we should just call you her and let you change at school and change your pronouns at school without telling your parents. That is actual guidance that was given out by our, our state board of education and as well as these mental health experts. These are same mental health experts that says when a girl comes to you and says, I think I might be a boy, you should shove a sock down her pants so she can feel like she has a bulge, quote unquote. That is their actual guidance. That is, that is what they actually say. I mean, that was a mental health expert out of Louisville working for University of Louisville Hospital. And we've seen nationally a lot of these industries and groups that they're partnering with are these pro-LGBTQ groups that are getting their mental, quote-unquote, health professionals in there to indoctrinate these kids even further. And the group, this Main Street partnership that Andy Barr works for, essentially, that pulls his strings, funded that. They provide and push for the funding for those programs at the federal level in order to put in place these indoctrination programs, one-on-one -on -one counseling, and they push that forward. Here's another thing they push forward is HR 5523, Energy Sector Innovation Credit Act of 2019, incentivizes new and sustainable energy technology to be brought to market, to be brought to market. Hmm. Interesting that that would be something they would push for. Obviously, we've seen this out of the Biden administration, getting your tax dollars to uh, fund, to subsidize this Democrat push for electric vehicles and electric everything across the nation, taking our tax dollars to subsidize it. In fact, I was reading an article recently where a F-150 Lightning in, uh, I believe it was Colorado, funny enough, after all the incentives and money off and yada, 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 an F-150 Lightning, fully loaded, ended up only costing around $37,000, the same cost <laughs> as a uh, lowest trim level crew cab four-wheel drive F-150. That's right. The top of the line electric vehicle F-150 Lightning after incentives cost the same as the cheapest crew cab truck F-150 offers. And, and I'm saying, I believe that too. I mean, I, I just got a new truck recently sticker on that was $61,000. That's obviously not what I paid, but I'm just for comparison, $61,000. It was not a top of the line truck at all. And yet you can get a top of the line, but if you decide to do electric, well, it is, <laughs> It is what 13, 14, no more than that, $23,000 cheaper than the truck, the non top of the line crew cab truck. I just purchased gas because of your tax dollars. You're subsidizing that. If that's just what the market was, that's just what the market is. But you're subsidizing that. And the people who pull any bar strings here, this partnership, this Main Street partnership pack, they're the ones pushing that forward. Now, if that wasn't enough reason to say, look, anybody associated with this group in a conservative state like Kentucky, if you're in a blue state, maybe you push forward these kinds of people.
Maybe these are the kinds of people you need to fill a congressional seat so you can give Republicans the majority and win the election. I would challenge you on that. We could sit down and have that debate. But that is something people push forward as an idea. But this is a very conservative state, Kentucky, and we're not talking about the 6th District, which some would call purplish, which it's actually gotten a lot more conservative with redistricting. No, we're talking about a Senate seat where Republicans win it, you know, 70-30, 75-25, like Rand did in this last election. 60-40 like McConnell did. This is not going to be a competitive seat really in the general or shouldn't be. And so we have an opportunity to get a strong conservative in here. And the question is, is Andy Barr really who we want in the Senate when he's with and, and, and working for groups like this? And if those weren't enough, or if you're like, well, Drew, you know, these are things we maybe wouldn't think of the Mental Health Act and Energy Innovation Credit. Well, let me tell you about the gun grab. This is also from their website. Gun violence, they say. Gun violence has reached a crisis point in this country. According to a recent poll conducted by Republican Main Street Partnership, suburban women overwhelmingly want Congress to address gun violence with meaningful legislative change. This does not mean taking guns out of the hands of lawful Americans, they claim. Rather, it means addressing the root cause of undeniable epidemic with measured and preventative action. Now, nowhere in there do they mention the Constitution when it comes to the 2A. Nowhere in there do they talk about guns and the Constitution, the Second Amendment. Nope, nope. They're just focusing on how do you win, quote unquote, elections. This is what's good for the future. Suburban women want us to address gun violence, so we should do that. And what do they put in place? What are the laws they're pushing forward? What are these people who Andy Barr essentially works for? Remember, he's prominently displayed on their front website. He is one of their go-to guys. He's always been on their front website. I've been tracking this group for years because Andy Barr has been such an integral part of it. What do they want? Well, you're going to have to wait till after this break to find out what they want to do about gun violence after this short break. You're listening to The Andrew Cooper Show, your source for Kentucky politics. See you here soon. And you are back with The Andrew Cooper Show. As always, if you want to reach out to the show, question, comments, or concerns. Go ahead and email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com for the break. We're talking about Andy Barr. He's eyeing up that run for Senate. He recently endorsed Trump in order to lift his conservative bona fides. But what is it he actually believes in? As I have a kind of a, a running thing, what we know a tree by the fruit that it bears. So what is the fruit bearing? What is going on behind the scenes? Well, I've been talking about this Republican mainstream partnership, a PAC and organization funded to the tunes of hundreds of millions of dollars over the last several decades that has been eagerly supporting Andy Barr. He shares campaign consultants with them, campaign managers with them. He shares... Uh, they they give him a lot of money, and this will be a person that Annie Barr looks at. Obviously, as I said before, those who pay the piper pick the tune. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what will mainstream partnership be asking Andy Barr to play? Because when he gets into the Senate, the last thing we want is just another Mitch McConnell. We want another Rand Paul. We want another strong conservative to hold back the liberals in both parties. And so we had to ask ourselves, is Andy Barr that strong conservative? Well, as evidence that I think he's not looking at the fruit of the tree, what we have here from them is 
uh, their policy positions. So this is the group pushing forward bar gun violence. They say they want to address it. How do they want to address it? Well, they want to address it with HR 2786, the Jake Laird Act of 2019, empowers law enforcement to retain firearms from person deemed dangerous via probable cause and due process to be a danger to themselves and or others. They also have HR 744, Protecting Our Communities Rights Act of 2019, empowers states to protect persons who may be a danger to themselves and others through the use of extreme protection orders and due process. These are red flag gun laws. In fact, they actually call them that. They say they're red flag laws. So we've got a group out here who's funding the liberal agenda on these electric vehicles, taking our tax dollars to subsidize that. We've got a group here that is funding these mental health, that pushes for the funding of these mental health services in schools that the left has captured and used to indoctrinate our kids. And now we see this group also pushes forward red flag gun laws. You thought I was done talking about red flag gun laws. Well, we had Andy Barr enter the scene and it's worth mentioning that the group, remember, I mean, this is their homepage. They have him prominently displayed on their homepage is when they're key people. And they've always had them up there. For years, they've had them up there. And what do they push forward? Red flag gun laws. That's, we're playing that too. Remember, one of the reasons why we've seen a spike of red flag gun laws, and we saw one considered here in Kentucky, is because of Mitch McConnell allowing the Safer Kentucky's Act to pass and voting for it. Something that funded states putting in place red flag gun laws. And here we have this Republican Main Street Partnership, prominent partner of Andy Barr's, a string puller of Andy Barr's. Andy Barr wants to replace McConnell. And what do we have again? We have somebody who works for groups that also want to push forward red flag gun laws. And when the rubber hits the road, he saw Mitch McConnell do something on it. When it comes down and there's a federal opportunity for a red flag gun law federally, where do you think Andy Barr is going to fall? Do you think he's going to follow McConnell? Mainstream partnership, the people who pay him, the person who's gotten away with it before McConnell, or do you think he's going to listen to you? And on that subject, let's let's talk about other things. They've, they've had bills to fund vaccine advancements and handouts for the COVID vaccine. They literally had bills funding, handing out more of the COVID vaccines. And at least you think you're like, Andrew, eh. Maybe you're misrepresenting them. Let me tell you what the founder of the organization says. The former representative, you probably don't know who he is, so it's not worth even naming him, but a former representative and founder of the organization. This is what he said. He said, American progress can only be made when we shift politics back to the civility of the center, a resolute beacon of bipartisanship. Amos' unyielding commitment to country over party manifested into the Republican Main Street Partnership almost 23 years ago. That's right. This organization, this Republican Partnership organization, admits that it is in the center. It is moderate. Well, it seeks to, and I talked about the document I showed earlier, to, to co-op Trump's talking points to push forward its candidates like Barr. It then also... Admit it is a moderate organization. Do I ask you, do we need more moderates in our Congress in America right now? Do we need more people who look across at Democrats who are trying to destroy your lives and say, let's find a center here? Or do we need stronger people who say, when we have the power, we're going to do strong, divisive, divisive, strong, decisive actions in order to fight back against the very 
craziness that is taking over our country because that is why Republicans aren't winning. They aren't acting. They aren't doing these things. That's why I, I'm really not that good on Andy Barr being in the Senate. I, I just... I don't think he's actually strong conservative. And I don't definitely don't think he's America first. I mean, all this time, Barr has been pushing forward Ukraine funding. I was at a dinner in 2022, and this was when the Ukraine war first got reared up, and Barr was pushing Ukraine then. A guy stood up, he yelled at him in the dinner and excused himself. But even after that, even after he saw that and then had a base, he sees the polling, the base is souring on the Ukraine aid, he keeps peddling it and keeps pushing it forward. He keeps voting to put it money into it. That isn't America first. Even if you support the Ukraine war, you got to say, look, we got to have an exit plan. But he's, you know, as long as it takes, if you're Mitch McConnell, let's keep dumping money into it. Does that sound like an America first agenda guy to you? And if any bar wants to peddle that idea, Peddle these ideas. He's got some explaining to do. I want to hear what he has to say about red flag gun law. I want to hear what he has to say about this Main Street partnership pack that he is prominently a member of and why he continues to associate himself with an organization that's clearly so liberal. I invite him. If he wants to come on my show, he can do it. I know some of the people in the Annie Bar camp listen to this. They're welcome to come on. I don't know if they will. Because I think the Andy Barr group knows that he's coming under extra scrutiny recently for his votes. What tells me this? Well, last night I was told at the Jesmond County Women's Republican Club meeting, a Andy Barr representative was there and went to speak. And I'm told without anyone asking about his votes on any certain things or calling him out for things, they just started to say, well, you know, a lot of people have been coming after Andy Barr, but I think we got to remember the good that he's done. Well, first, when you have your representative starting off that way without anybody even asking a question, you know, McConnell reps do the same thing. People who represent the McConnell, they'll start off by saying, I know not everybody likes him, but blah, blah, blah. That tells you that they're aware that people are unhappy with him. But yet, if he's continuing to do it, you ask who's pulling the strings here because apparently it's not his voters. But also at the same time, I do wonder what good has Andy Barr done? I've, I've heard he's done a lot for the veterans. Um, I've heard that time and time again. I ask you what he's done recently. I know we voted for a bill that would uh, subject veterans to extra scrutiny when it comes to red flag laws. I mean, you want to say, well, Andrew, that's partnerships for red flag laws. Andy Barr's voted yes on, Andy, on, on red flag law bills specifically targeting veterans. What has he done for veterans? Hmm. But apparently he's done a lot for him in the past. I don't know. He, I know he did a bill in order to provide funding for his wife's condition. It's actually awful his wife passed from that condition. Though I do ask, you know, is it just because a congressman's wife dies from a condition, do we now suddenly spend tens of millions of our taxpayer dollars on research on that condition that we weren't before just because a congressman's wife dies from it? What happens when your wife dies from a disease? Do you get $10 million of taxpayer funds to put into research for it? I understand why. I'm not saying it's it's wrong. Maybe it's important to fund and research that. I'm open to arguments. I'm not saying that makes him a bad guy. I'm just pointing that out. Somebody's got to say it. But I, I know he did an ESG bill that Biden ended up vetoing, so that didn't come to fruition. But I, I actually don't know specifically what he has been a trailblazer on. And I'm a constituent. I'm in the 6th District. I know what Massey's done. I know what Guthrie kind of has done, and it's generally been bad. I know how Rogers has done, bad and good. I know what Comer's done, bad and good. 
I have no clue what Andy Barr's actually done and been a trailblazer on. And I invite Andy Bashir on the show to talk about his record and point that out to us because I'd love to know. Well, we got more after this coming up on a commercial break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooper Show, your source for Kentucky politics. And you are back with the Andrew Cooper Show, your source for Kentucky politics. And I've spent, uh, let's see, the first segment talked about there, calling him out for hypocrisy. Second segment and third segment, we dived in on Andy Barr, who he's tied to, his backgrounds, and why that should bring up some issues due to his recent endorsement of Trump and him trying for that Senate race. Now let's move around to Democrats. Bashir says Trump, uh, Bashir weighs in on Trump's comments about immigration. Now, I'm going to tell you this much. Uh, Bashir, of course, he's only got four more years left. He claims he's going uh, to uh, serve out his term. That makes sense. That tells me that he's not looking at something until probably the 2028 presidential election. And I hate to say it for a lot of you listeners out there, you're probably going to see Andy Bashir on a ticket sometime soon. He may try to make a run for president. I don't know what his actual national ties are. Obviously, his his wife comes from California, has some good ties out there in the Cali. Um, as far as nationally it goes, obviously he pulled in a lot of money for this governor's race. He, he, he was able to mobilize tens of millions of dollars. So it's potential he could, if they, if they throw into a presidential primary, the same way they throw into a governor's general, it, you know, it's questionable. Um, whether those those people who put in funds would stay with him there, but if they did, he certainly could be a formidable presidential candidate. Though I think, if I'm to be honest, he's probably going for, and his goal is first, uh, and you know, to go for that VP spot. He may run a presidential campaign with the aim to end up as vice president. That's something they commonly do, you know, shoot for the moon. And if you miss, you hit the stars. But anyways, the point is, is that uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. So that might clear up some of the things we're going to see into the future here. And so he was asked on Tuesday about Trump's comments about I don't know, immigrants poisoning our blood supply. That's how the media is framing that up. I, I you know, I don't talk about national things. I'm going to weigh in on that real quick. There's two things I think there. First, um, if you listen to his entire talk, when he's talking about they are poisoning our blood supply, I think he's talking about Democrats um, based upon who they is. That's a pronoun clearly being used in the phrase. So you got to frame that in with who they was. And I don't think they was the immigrants. I think they was Democrats. As far as poisoning our blood supply, I think that was my personal opinion. And Trump hasn't really weighed in on it, but I've heard a lot of political speeches when it comes to immigration. Maybe you have to as well. And one of the things I hear a lot, and I've heard, I've heard, you know, Republicans, I've heard some Democrats talk about this when they're talking about the border is they talk about the poison pouring over the border. And when they're talking about the poison, what they're talking about there is drugs, heroin and fentanyl and other things like that. And so when he says they're poisoning our quote unquote blood supply, um, you know, a poisoning our blood. It's, I could see it being a way of talking about Democrats having that open border is causing drugs to come over the border and then poisoning 
the blood because with drugs, with heroin, with fentanyl, with those kinds of things. They're trying to be apologetic or anything else for him per se. Um, I think it was probably a slip of the tongue in the sense of trying to describe uh, the poison that is the drugs coming over the southern border. Because, like I said, those of you who listen to a lot of political speeches, that is not talking about poison and the border is not new. That is pretty common especially because we're talking about drugs generally when, when covering it. So there you go. But what did Bashir have to say? Well, this is what he said. He said, I think the rhetoric is dangerous and uncalled for. We have strong opinions on illegal immigration. It is illegal first and our laws have to be protected. And we have come together. We have to come together and do better about finding a long-term solution, but those are still people and we shouldn't dehumanize human beings. We should be able to talk about even the toughest issues without talking about them that way. That's the only way in the end that Democrats and Republicans are going to be able to reach a viable solution that stops the flow of illegal immigration that fills the jobs where we need immigration. So we've got a few things here, right? He's really splitting the baby here. So he's trying to satiate what he knows is the conservative vastness of the South. And, and that makes him sellable to as a VP candidate is I'm somebody the South can swallow. That makes him sellable to as a presidential candidate. I'm somebody who the South can swallow. Some of these states that maybe aren't swinging like Georgia, like uh, was it North or South Carolina, whichever one of those sometimes swings blue or swings blue um, by saying, look, I am somebody they can pallet. I can hold on to those swing states. That would be a selling point. So he's trying to maintain that by giving uh, uh, some, some lip service to this Republican idea that, you know, illegal immigration is illegal by saying that's laws and it shouldn't be held out. But, we got to stop flow of illegal immigration, but we also kind of need a lot of immigration to fill the jobs, right? It doesn't go into why we need immigration to fill the jobs. Of course, it's because uh, birth rates have been dropping uh, a lot over the past several decades. We're below replacement rate here in the U.S. due to Democrat policies that are anti-family. Of course, you won't say that. Um, but he he will sit here and and so he gives that lip service to both the Republican viewpoint and the Democrat viewpoint at the same time. Now, from that same article, it says, "Seal speculation resounds on Bashir's political future." Now he says he he will uh, serve his full second term, and I think that's probably pretty accurate because that sets him up for that presidential run. VP ticket because really he has no future in KY after this. I'll give you some evidence of what you can point at there. But actually, when asked if Bashir would focus now more on national issues, since you know he may be eyeing up that their White House, he didn't respond with, Well, well, we, no, of course not. Uh, because remember, all through his campaign, he talked about, Hey, this has got to be about Kentucky and Kentucky issues, let's leave the national politics. Behind, So he's asked, are you going to talk now more about national issues? You know, campaign's over. You don't got to pretend to only care about Kentucky anymore. This is what he had to say. He responded with, and this is bone chilling to me. We may have some news on different ways we can assist others here in Kentucky and around the country. Which just, that's a, that sucks. That's a really sucky comment for him to make. Because what he's trying to say here, possibly saying here, is that keep in mind he's in the state, he's in the state of Kentucky. All the resources he has access to, other than federal pass-through dollars, is our tax dollars. And so is what Bashir's saying here that he wants to take now Kentucky tax dollars and spend it on ways to assist people 
around the country. So now you're not only subsidizing whatever plans he says he wants to get done here in Kentucky, and some of which he's got enough leeway from the legislature to get in place. So you're subsidizing those liberal spending plans. Now you suddenly, as a Kentucky citizen, have to subsidize whatever liberal plans he has for the whole rest of the country. This is what he said. We may have some news soon on different ways we can assist others here in Kentucky and around the country. I know we talk about America first, but can we talk about Kentucky first? What are you doing helping people around the country? What are you talking about? If somebody has a national natural disaster, you want to send some assistance their way in the form of, you know, maybe some National Guards people or, uh, you know, some some uh, fire and police help and things like that. Okay, that makes sense. You want to send that that way? People send it our way all the time. We're dealing with forest fires. We'll have some forest firefighter groups from out west. They'll come on in and help from other states. That's great. That's fine. We're all helping each other in disasters. Okay. But what 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 else does it mean when you say you'll we may have some news soon, unless you're expecting a national a natural disaster that you're going to send people to? What is the news you'll have soon to use Kentucky tax dollars to help people around the country? I think that's something we gotta keep our eyes on. But obviously, that could be something he's now going to do: use our tax dollars to subsidize him gearing up for a more national run and i don't think he's going to run here in the state you know because obviously if he's not going to finish out his full term well then you would have him running for senate in 2026 i don't i don't actually think he may do it and it's because i think he knows democrats are pretty much done in kentucky after this he wants to leave on a high note because I, let's look at the facts here right you remember all these people had to Bashir's victory oh the house we're going to regain all these seats the house is going to make a ploy we're going to get it done well it's been announced that Rachel Roberts, who's only been in the state house for two terms, four years, has decided not to run for re-election. That means all but one of Democrat House leadership in Kentucky is not seeking re-election. That means there is writing on the wall here. Dim single being our 10 or 20 years before they can gain a majority in the House could be longer. I just think Bashir's looking at that sentence. He says, I don't have a chance. Democrats know they don't have a chance here into the future. They got to figure something out. He knows that's a failed thing. He'd rather become a, a presidential candidate, run for vice president. I think that's what you're going to see. But anyways, well, that's what we have time for today on the Andrew Cooper Ryder Show. Remember, you can reach out to the show by emailing Andrew at theandrewshow.com. Oh, not Andrew at theandrewshow.com. That's not an email. Don't email that. Nobody has that email. It is info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. We'll see you back here tomorrow. 9 a.m. on WZXI. One o'clock everywhere else. Have a great rest of your day.